When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This season, the Thursday Club on Fulhamish is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. Green King Sports venues are showing every televised Fulham fixture over the course of the season. And with our upcoming game against Spurs being live on Sky Sports, if you can't make it to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, head to your local Green King pub instead and they'll be showing the game there. Also, Green King Sports have recently launched their Green King Sports Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. So drop them a follow on Instagram and you'll be the first to know all about those special offers. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today it is the Thursday Club and we'll be doing the final word on Saturday's 3-1 win over Sheffield United. Also in today's episode, the live rendition of This Will Catch On recorded at the Half Moon Putney at the weekend. And I can tell you, it was an absolute sizzler. You want to stick around entertainment galore it was a really really fun segment of the show and you're in for a treat today also at the end of the podcast we'll answer some of your emails we'll also discuss the Fulham supporters trust announcement about its protest against ticket prices at the manchester united game and i'm joined by jack collins hello hello mate hello listeners how are we doing good thank you um a busy week uh no fulham this weekend but we'll uh yeah we'll move um just gonna be nice i I don't actually hate the rhythm of the first few months i get that people don't like all of the international breaks etc but i quite like that you get gently eased into the season then you get a couple of weeks off and then you go again i don't mind it but i know that's kind of an unpopular opinion yeah, it is an unpopular opinion, but I, I'm with you, but on a completely separate point in that I just genuinely really like international breaks because I really like international football. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's not what everybody wants to hear. And I'm sure there's plenty of people going, I just want, just want club football back, but I love mm. internationals. I think international football is about as pure as the game gets, you know, and, and that's not saying loads considering what we've seen from FIFA and UEFA over the last couple of years, but, there is that element about playing, I think, for, for your country that, that gives a little bit different to, you know, just being able to buy or, or utilize the best players in the world. And I think it makes it might an exciting break. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about just seeing how it goes. I think there's an element and I, and this I, this has gone off on a really quick tangent, but as an England fan, I guess it's because the qualifying process since Euro 2008, when we didn't qualify, has been so straightforward for so many years in a row. And now that there's even more places at Euros and World Cups, that jeopardy that kind of used to be there. You remember, I was watching the Beckham documentary last night and they showed when England qualified for the 98 World Cup and they needed the nil-nil draw against Italy. Italy, and yeah. It was there was there was something on the line in international breaks, and now for, from an England point of view, it rarely feels like there is. But I wonder if maybe as someone that supports the Republic and 
I don't think I'm being disrespectful to say are, are no, certainly not. not guaranteed to qualify for tournaments. You've got something to fight for in, in, in each international break is a chance for the Republic to, to redeem themselves and maybe get closer, even though I know that uh, the Euros dream is, is distant. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there is definitely that in that every single game is, is is competitive, whether it's, you know, France away or Gibraltar at home. The chances are that Ireland could win or lose them. That, that does help. I think more than that, it, it's about like you have to pick your battles. And it's a bit like when I'm, you know, you have discussions about the Champions League or the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. People are like, oh, what game should I watch this weekend? And, and they'll pick one. They're like, I don't know any of those teams, but that's fine. But I guarantee you that'll be a competitive game as opposed to watching, I don't know, you know, Real Madrid play Club Bruges for just out of, out of, pick two names out of the hat but the chances are that's going to be a one-way tie or Barcelona playing Antwerp in the first week of this Champions League I didn't think that that game would be a good game but if you pick two sides who might not be as you know perhaps esteemed um but you pick two sides who are, are, are better matched then I think you obviously get better games and I suppose it probably doesn't help now that the internationals in the UK at the very least are on via play so they're harder to get hold of. And I think that you've got to put international football as much as front and centre if you want people to watch it. But I just like feel like if you would like to get competitive games in an international break, they're there for you. You just got to kind of go and have a look for them. So, yeah, I, I, I like an international break probably more than the next person. I'm not convinced Viaplay is a real channel. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a I'm vortex. Like, I, does it, can you actually even get it on your television? I'm, I'm not I even you convinced can, yeah. that it's a real thing. <laughs> this stage. You can get it on your television. I can't. So I have to go through Prime to get it for mine. But it, it, you can get it on some television boxes. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Just I see it and I'm like, the via what? Anyway, we've gone massively off uh, off tangent, but I enjoyed it. Um, Jack, let's have a bit of a final word about Sheffield United on Saturday. I think there's, you know, I love doing the live shows and they're brilliant, but they don't give you very long for any of us to kind of gather our thought, thoughts after the match because it literally is especially on this one as well. It was a tight turnaround to us starting because of the delayed game. And then we all wanted to try and uh, finish it, A, because the half moon needed the room back. None of us had an awful long time to kind of gather our thoughts. And I think since Saturday, my view on the win has improved. There were definitely elements of the game where... I think like the the scoreline slightly flattered us or more to the point, it could have in different circumstances gone really badly. Had, had Kearney not scored that goal and it was fortuitous to say the least, we could be here very, very angry and upset at drawing to the worst team in the league. But as it happens, we did have about 20 shots on goal. We did assert our dominance. We did score some goals. And whilst I think you'd be lying to yourselves if you said, oh, everything's fixed at Fulham and everything's great, everything's perfect again. But if you can't celebrate three points and three goals, then then what's the point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely spot on. It, it, it's definitely, I, I think that I said on, on, on Sunday's podcast or Saturday's recording that I didn't think I'd learned much from the game. And and I kind of stand by that. I don't think I've learned much. But equally, you still have to go out and beat these teams. I thought Fulham's progression down both flanks was much better in this game than it has been in a while. And we've talked about that kind of lack of a Mitrovic and why that seems to have affected the other parts of Fulham's game, which shouldn't 
be affected by it. You know, Fulham's creativity came down the flanks and those mixes between winger and fullback and also the centre midfielder who drops out to prove the, to kind of connect the triangle. And I was wondering why that hadn't looked quite as solid this year, even, you know, because you can't lay that at Alexander Mitrovic's door. But I think that just about we're starting to see a connection between fullback and winger. There's obviously been a lot of chopping and changing in terms of both the fullback positions and who's starting in the wide positions as well. So that probably hasn't played a huge, you know, positive in, in, in making this work. But I did think that this was the best we've connected down the flanks for a while. Maybe apart from in the Tottenham game in the cup, where actually Foda Balatore did really, really well in, in, in that kind of zone. But I was pleased to see Bobby on the score sheet, as, as we've talked about. I thought that generally we looked more composed. Yes, you're right. In that if the game had ended one all, and we'd be probably sitting here, and I was on the Anfield Rap yesterday talking about this, and they were like, do you think that the ball should have gone out of play? And... I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't, I don't think I'd want Fulham to put the ball out of play in the opposite direction. So therefore I can't claim it. I definitely can't hold any grudges against Sheffield United for not putting the ball out of play. But if we had drawn the game one all, would I be thinking about that differently? Maybe, maybe. And maybe I would be thinking about Diop differently in terms of, okay, you've just pulled a hamstring, but just do anything to get the ball away from that zone. Because if the ball isn't one on the edge of the box, maybe they do put it out of play. You know, if the ball's on the halfway line, I think that's fair enough to, to demand that. Whereas I think on the edge of the box, they're a bit like, hang on, we didn't do anything wrong here. We should be able to take advantage of a situation that has fortuitously fallen our way. And they did. And then Fulham did the same with the Kearney goal. So honours even in that regard and, and the points well deserved. But yeah, I, I thought it was, the performance was fine without us learning anything particularly new about Fulham, I don't think. I did just wonder in that moment, it's harsh, isn't it? Because Diop's hurt and he's injured. And so therefore, like, he's going to be thinking of his own body at that moment and not really about the state of the play. And, but I did just, I almost like, pick it up. Like, the word, if, you, if you're done for, like, just handball it or something. Like, you'd have stopped the play. But, you know, we, we, we sometimes, I feel like, as fans, as pundits, microanalyze millisecond decisions. And I'm sure if Issa Diop had five minutes to think about it, he probably would have taken something different. But he didn't know his hamstring was going to pull up there and then in that specific moment. So... It's it's tough, but yeah, and I'm sure we would be analysing that a lot more had that goal been significant. But in the end, Fulham won and we won impressively. And I think the fact that we were able to win 3-1 and get that goal in added time was actually hugely significant for me. It might just go down as a footnote in the season, the fact that we won 3-1 rather than 2-1. But I think for everyone's confidence walking away from Craven Cottage, the fact that we didn't have to do stoppage time all biting our nails while Sheffield United lobbed balls into the box and we held on desperately for a win against them. I think I think all of those things make a small difference to the fan experience. And I think everyone came away from Saturday just mostly relieved, to be honest. So, yeah. Um, and, and Jack, when you look at the fixtures coming up, we'll get them into them a bit more next week. But, God, it was crucial. You look at that. Spurs away, Brighton away. United at home looks like the home, like the one we actually like could win. Looks more winnable than the rest of them, yeah. Much more winnable than the rest of them. We just needed the points because actually, like, we've been on the right end of some decent fixtures. Now this is the time where it's, you know, winter's coming, I guess that is the, is the phrase. All right, Ned Stark. Um, I, I think that... <laughs> If you, yeah, you look at the next ones and it is going to be tricky. You kind of want to get to that Wolves game 
intact right and and just just comfortable enough that you're not going to be dragged back in and i keep talking about this vortex but i believe in it right i believe that you need sort of a six seven point cushion above the teams who look like they are going to be dragged in by the kind of time that december comes around in order that you don't need to worry about it too much but 12th is fine um as you say the, the goal at the end just calmed everyone down a bit it also was another one for the to knock off the goal difference because obviously the the kind of bad results against City and Brentford knocked us right back in that regard. And because our wins have come in narrow margins, it's been something that whilst the points are good, our goal difference is still a little bit ugly. And that probably probably won't matter, but it's just the kind of thing that you could just do with chipping away at, I think. And and, and Fulham are doing that at the moment and got an opportunity to to do that here and took it. So look, that's that's all we can ask for. There are there are signs of life william was much better after my absolute you know criticism of 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 everything that he, he did on the monday night game against chelsea it felt like this was a much more assured competent performance from him in that left wing slot and he got the goal that he probably just about deserved now shouts out where's fodderingham fulham till he dies one of our own etc for just letting it in um but you know apart from that um i, I thought 3-1 was a pretty fair scoreline on this one you know a, a two goal cushion i think 2-0 would have been would have been fair enough i think 3-1 is fair enough that feels like the kind of way the game played out i think yeah um before we do the live this will catch on uh let's react to the news that broke today as we were recording um about the fulham supporters trust putting out a pretty strong joint fan statement um against fulham's ticket pricing um if you want to read the full statement uh, head to the fst website which is fulham supporters trust.com it'll be one of the top items on the home page and i actually jack you know I, I was given an advanced copy of this statement before it went out, and I was very grateful for that. Um, I actually thought that the statement that uh, was drafted by the FST was was very strong, and actually I thought was one of the most convincing arguments against the ticket prices that I have seen from many people, including ourselves, that have written and wrote and spoken about ticket prices for a long time. I thought it was good. The crux of the statement is that the FST is going to organise a protest at the Manchester United game. Um, They've asked fans uh, to gather before the Manchester United game uh, in Bishop's Park from 11am onwards near to the tea house, uh, where they're going to walk together to the ground, leaving at 11.30, voicing their objection to the ticket price policy. Um, the FST will then distribute yellow cards to be held up inside the ground in the 18th minute of the match to represent the typical 18% price increase and give a clear message that we need a hashtag affordable Fulham so that the next generations aren't lost. Um so basically, this is a twofold thing. There's a gathering beforehand, a photo call of some sort, and then they're handing out yellow cards, which is a throwback to what happened at the Back to the Cottage protest when they also did a yellow card leaflets that they held up back in uh, 2004. Um, so there's a nice synergy to a past protest, which was the original incarnation of the Fulham Supporters Trust was Back to the Cottage. I think, Jack, that this is a good starting point from the FST. I think that they come in for a lot of criticism. I think some of it fair enough. But I think on this point, they've they've done what a lot of fans were asking. They've created a protest. And now I think it is down to us as fans to engage with that, enhance it, make it better, 
turn up most importantly but yeah interested to get your thoughts yeah 100% and I think quite a lot of the the criticism towards the FST has been at times fair enough you know in in the questions of what is being actually done um but then when something is actually done like this then you have to uh, you know say that that's the correct thing and you applaud it and get behind it and and that's where I'll be on this it's one of those where it's obviously something had to be done it's very difficult to kind of work out exactly what that is um it's not the easiest thing in the world we you know we know that planning things like this and and the the club will come out and say the Manchester United game sold out the club will come out and say we retain a waiting list for season tickets despite the fact there was an 18 percent price increase the club will say out and say the Riverside stand isn't even completed yet. The club will turn around and say, you know, they give out tickets via the foundation, etc. But whilst there are plenty of things, you know, we heard the club defending themselves on, on ticket prices in terms of the way that the family stand works. But we know that the, you know, for the genuine general fan experience, that's not what we experience, right? And, and for Fulham fans coming in, Yes, our season tickets, and and I will remain with the point, even with an 18% increase, which I think was unfair, but still, I mean, in terms of value for money compared to debt, you know, if you bought a seat every week, yeah, fine. And I think the club will point to that. But that doesn't mean that it works for me. And, And you have to go back into the financials. You have to go back into the idea that, you know, ticket prices and ticket sales represent such a small amount to the club in terms of what they actually get from being in the Premier League, from being sponsored, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things. So when it comes to things like this, there'll be plenty of people saying, you know, what does this achieve? And I think that it's a game on television against Manchester United. It will get coverage. If, you know, people hold up this these yellow cards in the, in the 18th minute, the fan, it will turn to this. And it means that that will be discussed on TV, I think it's a BT Sport game. It'll be discussed on TV uh, with BT Sport. It will be discussed in the newspapers. It is that is coverage that the club do not want. They do not want the club. You know the the fact that the club are going to be in the newspapers for pricing fans out, for making you know big gains in terms of of, of pricing in, in tickets. That's not the publicity the club want. And unfortunately, you know, considering that they have not listened to a fan voices on this at any sort of aspect i think it's the only way that they might listen is if this reaches a level in the press that the the club are like okay right we might have made a mistake now they might not they might not back down and ultimately we've got to adjust to the fact that you know the club is run in in this way because they see it you know primarily as a business model and that's what they do and they will point to these sellouts and they'll point to the fact that even at 20 pound in the cup against norwich it didn't sell out they say oh what do, you know prices don't matter to people it's about the games but i don't think that's true um and i don't think it's a fair comparison to you know to compare a premier league game at the weekend against a carabao cup third round tie in the middle of the week um so yeah i i think it's a good start as you say i think there is more to be done and I, you know, I, I fundamentally, I'm, I'll believe it when I see it, call me Thomas, but, you know, unless I've seen the, the club turn around and make a difference, I, I really do, you know, need to see that before I start to buy anything they say about sorting this out. But that's where I land on it right now. And it's the first thing that anyone can do is make a statement. Sitting in silence is, is complicity. And as far as I'm concerned, and, but that's fine if you decide that you don't want to be part of it and or, or whatever. And, 
you know, that's, that's everyone's individual choice, but you know, silence is complicit, complicity in this. And if you, you know, if we're not speaking out, then we, we, there's nothing that can be done and, and you can't then go on and be like, oh, prices are too expensive. It's a little bit. Yeah. It's just all over the place a bit. I think, look, it's quite simple, right? You know, joining the photo call and everything, there's going to be less people that do that. But the main thing is holding up those yellow cards on 18 minutes. Like it's, it's a piece of paper. It will be handed out to you. And, you know, I think the more people that can get involved, I think, you know, from people I've spoken to on the supporters trust, they want as many people to volunteer and hand out these leaflets as possible. It's not an easy job to try and cover thousands of people in effectively half an hour. You know, if you can join in and hand out a few leaflets, if you can get there at 1130, it would all help. And this is stage one, right? You know, this isn't lobbing tennis balls on the pitch or invading the pitch or anything else like that right now. This is stage one, right? It's holding up some yellow cards in the 18th minute. It will be shown on the telly. And if everyone buys into it, it will make an impact and it will be the first stone thrown. And then if this happens and then the club ignores it, then let's move on to phase two. But by this point, the the snowball will have started and it will be rolling down the hill and then things can continue from there if the club don't listen. But this is stage one. All you have to do is pick up a piece of yellow paper and hold it up for a minute. It's really, really easy. And I just think that like buy-in from everyone will will be what is the difference between success and failure in this. So as Jack said, you have the individual choice to do what you want, but this will own, if you want this to work, you know, this is the only way it will work. And, you know, I, I get that also some people are like, well, it's not strong enough, but this, the FST have just given the time and a place. You can make your own banner. You can make a bed sheet and do whatever else you want. If you think, actually, I've got something to say that's stronger, the FST have just given a time and a place and everyone within the boundaries of the law is entitled to protest and say whatever they want. Um, and I, I just think it's a great starting point. I think that there is an idea and, that's hard, and it's harder than people would imagine. And look, there will be some people saying, well, no, we should be boycotting cutting the shop or the kiosks, but that doesn't get you on TNT. I don't think this does holding up some cards in the 18th minute, a big visual display is what gets you on the television. You know, I, I think also, you know, not buying pints from the, the stands and, and food and not buying the replica kit does help in an individual way, but it's not generating headlines like this hopefully should do if everyone buys into it. So I'm, I'm fully supportive of it. Fulhamish was asked to be one of the fan media outlets that put their names on the statement. We were honoured to and delighted to, and I'm really glad that loads of other Fulham fan outlets have been able to do that as well. The Fulham Lilies um, are joint co-signatures on this too. So it's it's a joint statement from lots of different areas of the Fulham fan base. And I just really, really hope that this one's effective because I think this is the first stage in actually Fulham fans sticking up for themselves. And I think you know, are they going to just suddenly chop 30 pounds off the ticket after this protest because some yellow cards are being held up? No, obviously not. That's not going to happen. But I think the Fulham fans sticking up for themselves will make them think twice in the future when they're making decisions because they're like, oh, we could do without those headlines again. This is the first stage. And I think the Fulham fans going back to some of the roots that we've had in the past, you know, the 80s against Fulham Park Rangers, the, the noughties where we protested trying to get back to the cottage. This is what Fulham has always done. And I'm hoping that this is the next kind of sweep of Fulham fans sticking up for themselves. We always have had to, and we're going to have to now because this is extraordinary what the club are doing and and hopefully we can all get behind it. Um, Jack, any final words uh, on, on the ticket price process? 
No, um, look, it, it's one of those we have to, you have to fight this fight if you want it to change. Um, and you can't expect change if, if no one's willing to, you know, to stand up for it. And, and hopefully this is the first step on, on the way to the club, realising that there are people who are you know, genuinely very upset about the fact that these tickets continue to rise to a level in pricing in the middle of a cost of living crisis that is pushing genuine Fulham fans out in favour of, you know, selling out one game every three um, because there are people that want to watch, you know, a club, their club from from somewhere else in the country and, and sit in the home ends. And look, you know, we talked about the fact that against Chelsea game, there were, you know, there was a massive fight at the back of the Hammersmith then. These things are, you know, not coincidences. These things are, are, are part of the same structure. Now, you know, you might get the occasional Egypt, fine, whatever. But, you know, the fact that we, we saw... You know, genuinely supporters in in the in the other side of the Riverside end, with you know Chelsea fans in in the, there. We saw that there were you know fans dotted around the cl- the club, even in the Sheffield United game, which we talked about being a mad price range for that game anyway. I, I think that we're starting to to see the creep in of this, and it makes a difference. And so, if anything that that helps to propel this in the right direction, I think is a step, and it's a step that we should all be willing to take. Yeah, uh, we'll have more on the ticket price protest uh, in the weeks uh, leading up to it. Uh, no doubt uh, about that. Right, we'll take a break. Afterwards, it's the live rendition of This Will Catch On from the Half Moon Putney. Hello, it's Sammy James here at the Half Moon Putney and it is time for This Will Catch On. Yay! And I'm joined on stage by Jack Collins. Okay. Jack Collins at the bar, but we started without him. Ooh. But I am joined by the host of the Football Ramble, Marcus Speller. Yeah. And now, Jack Collins. You boys agreed. Do your river dance, go on. <laughs> I'm not good enough yet. I'm learning though. So for context, we're about 10 minutes away from the Ireland-Scotland game and we're keeping Jack from watching the rugby. So, um... Yeah, Jack's this is not- how much I love you guys. Three <laughs> 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 first, more points than England scored today. <laughs> so, um, me and Jack do this all the time. So let's do a bit of an explanation for you, Marcus. Go on then. This will catch on has become a regular fixture for us, particularly when we do a live show. So this is the part where full emission. Right, I've read it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. This is the part of the show where Fulhamish listeners send in songs and then we raise more slate them as to their likeliness of being able to catch on in the stands. Excellent. I, I'm looking forward to this. Okay. Sorry, I'm usually the host of these things. I'm like a naughty uncle today. Yeah, he's, really, he's, he's just trying to throw me off at every stage, but we're enjoying it. Okay. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Well, we have we'll, sometimes maybe good. Sometimes, sometimes maybe good, maybe sometimes maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll decide. Okay. Okay. That's how I'm going to rank them now. <laughs> I'm just going to shout that instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, for you guys in the audience, you know, feel free to sing along if they're any good. Feel free to boo if they're not so good. Whatever. And we'll, uh, we'll give our thoughts on them. Don't so this- boo. People have worked really hard on this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we could slate them, but yeah. Jesus, don't boo. Is that the Fulhamish way, is it? <laughs> boo, you crap. Get off. <laughs> this is not Everton. <laughs> <laughs> right, so clip number one is from Jacob. This is his email. Hello, this is Jacob. I am 16 and a Fulham fan from Stateside. I have sent songs in, but never sent in a voice recording. I've been patiently waiting for a new player to come in so I could make a song. 
Yet everyone who has already had one made before. So finally, with the rumor mill churned and the ABBA playlist scrolled, here is my final product. This is for Timothy Castagna to ABBA's song, Timmy. Head Over Heels. That's niche. That's the back catalogs. <laughs> He's our new fullback man. With no hesitation, he keeps going, Timothy. I take it back, you can boost. <laughs> our new back from the Midlands, hooray. He is calling for the whole world to see. Timothy Castagne running down the wings in a world of lace. He's extreme. Pushing I'm going to watch rugby. Unmatchable speed. Right, I've... Yeah, yeah. Right. I've already ripped into one child today. Okay. <laughs> This lad's six. Why? What have you? You just got me up here to slag off children. Have you? <laughs> you didn't have to. You, that was the first one. You didn't have to do, do that. <sighs> Not catching on then. The, only, the best thing I can say about that is it ended. <laughs> um, no, I. All right. Do you want to give your opinion then? Whoever said that, <laughs> your honest opinion. I saw you grow, Jacob. You know. <laughs> to quote. You know, you're obviously into your pop music. To quote another um, uh, uh, pop um, a band to you back, uh, things can only get better. Hey. Um, look, I, 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 I fucking hate ABBA, right? <laughs> so it was never going to be good. Um, but Jacob, we love you because you're a Fulham fan. Okay? And for that, I think it's going to catch on. Great. Next up is Sometimes from- maybe shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Didn't Oi. even I didn't even ask Jack. I jumped on a grenade for you there. All right. I know. I'm, I'm you've well. Got, you've got the next one. I know, Jacob. It's all good. <laughs> the next one is from Marisa. Is Marisa here? Hey! Hang on, Jacob's not here, is he? No. <laughs> Jacob, reveal yourself. <laughs> I know he's massive. rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, He's one of those weightlifting stateside guys. Oh, no. Honestly, still respect. Marisa says, Hi, Fulhamish. Listening to the way you were pronouncing Jimenez's name on last Thursday's pod made me immediately think of this tune. You never know. It may catch on. Note that there are a fair amount... Oh, no, I don't need to edit that. She said, um, edit out the silence before the tune starts. I've done that. Don't worry. Okay. This is to the tune of Manar Manar by the Muppets. I think it's short, sweet, and simple. Good. Yeah, there we go. I think we've got a hit. Yeah. I think we've got a hit. Got a hit, Jack? Two like, two? It's like every single time. It's like, you know, it's like Adele. Every time you hit it, like, it was like Marisa sent one in, you're like, bang, it's yeah. done. It doesn't even, I don't even need to listen yeah, yeah. to it. I'm like, no, it's a banger. Like, yeah. We and go that, again. And that's why Marissa turned up. Oh, 100%. Today. She knew what she was doing. No, you 100%. said it's Marissa. Yeah, I'm here. Don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> My eyes perked up. Oh, I was yeah. like, we're back, we're back in the room, baby. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Like, Damn right. Well done, Marissa. Incredible. Okay. Yeah. Number three. This is from Gavin Thompson. The email says, Hi, Sammy, Jack, George, Jack, Drew, Joe, Jack, Elizabeth, Cam, Jack, Peter, George, Dan, Jack, and Jack. He didn't know I was coming. 
Now, there's also some very notable omissions yeah. there, but anyway. I like that I got named seven times and you yeah. didn't mention Farrell. <laughs> My guy. Yeah. <laughs> Gavin says, good day from a Fulham fan who has not been to the cottage since Paul Pescasolido and Peter Beardsley were playing. Oh, that is a flex. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Thanks heaps for the great work you do. Sound less Australian, please. Following Fulham in the small hours of the morning can be tricky. And having you guys as the voice of Fulham is the next best thing to being, I shouldn't have written the compliment, sorry. Hey. Um, ignoring my absolute lack of ability, I'm submitting an entry for This Will Catch On, recorded with my young lass, Marnie. It's called Castagna Spice, and I hope it isn't too awful. I don't so know. So I, I've done a little- Marcus, you're up as another <laughs> child. <laughs> So this is for Timothy Castagna right. to the tune Spice Up Your Life by the Spice Girls. Now, originally, Gavin sent this with, Mar with Marnie a cappella. Yeah. I've, I've gone in the edit room. Well done. And we've added no, a No, don't R that. <laughs> there are people We here. don't even know if it's good yet. Yeah, really. People are paid for tickets. So this is Gavin and Marnie with Sammy James on the buttons. <laughs> Good, it's good edit, mate. Did you did you Go edit them out? Man in Leicester Blue, come and see the Craven Cottage View. Be a hero, let us tell you how. Lift the cup, name for a carabao. You can play on the left. Timmy Chestnut. You can play on the right. Timmy Chestnut. You can fill in for Jedi. Timmy Chestnut. He's got a pointy chin. Tim Chestnut. Link up with William. Tim Chestnut. Really likes to win. Tim Chestnut. All oh, right. Shout out, shout out, Marnie. He was like, "What am I doing? Why am I here?" Like, <laughs> He's cooking the dinner. That what was the next line? <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, Timmy Chestnuts. Yeah, um, thank goodness you uh, edited the music in there. Yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. A little bit loud. Look, the, 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 am, I, am I on? Am I, is my mic? Shout! I think, I think they thought I was going to slag off children again. And they thought, <laughs> cut it. Um, uh, I, I think with the... Do you want me to share? Oh, there we go. There we go. There we the barman, the barman can hear me now. Um, it's very topical. With the back, a bit posh and the, the, all that sort of thing. So for me, I I, um, I, I love current affairs. It's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> a glowing recommendation there, um, Jack. Your thoughts? Uh, as you enjoyed it more than I thought it was going to, but you know, honestly, my my thoughts just go out to Marnie in this situation. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's all, being I, held hostage, all I can imagine is her just being like, "Dad, why do I have to keep shouting Timmy Chestnuts into a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> Who is Timmy Chestnuts?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is this a South Park episode? Oh, well. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, next one. Does the name John Hall mean anything yeah. to anyone? So John Hall was part of the Tom was responsible for the Tom Kearney song, and he has sent in another one. He mm. said, "Hi Sammy, I was listening to the Fulhamish Top 15 compilation. It was great, but I realised I wasn't have, in it enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I realised there have not been any slushy love songs on This Will Catch On." Oh. Particularly for those of us who have got together with fellow Fulham fans. Oh, okay. So this is my take on You Say It Best When You Say Nothing At All. Originally sung by Keith Whitley, but of course popularised by Ronan Keating. Also, I'm not having that taken away from Ronan Keating. We haven't got much. Leave us our own songs. <laughs> <laughs> you got Jedward as well. 
Yeah, to be fair, more human rights campaigners, Jedwards, I'm well involved. So yeah. this isn't really... They hate talk TV. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback for those of you who listened on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> They're probably the subject of talk TV. Quite um, so this is just generally for Fulham. There is a longer version, which if you bug at Almondroid on Twitter or X, I'm sure he'll share with you. But this is John's effort. You've done worse on this edit. <laughs> It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart Without saying a word, you can light up the dark Can I see some liars in the air? <laughs> but try as they may, they That's will it. never explain Lighter. We're going to sell off the fire alarm. They might have rules against that fella. <laughs> the smile on your face at the tears of John Terry And your thousand yard stare from all those trips to Burnley The way you keep asking Roy Hodgson to come round for tea Say it best when and you say fuck, fuck off, Chelsea. It's a hit! <laughs> There's more. You're gonna cut this out, Sammy. Your life-size bronze statue of Jonathan Greening And the giant intertoto on our bedroom ceiling You probably love Bobby Zamora a bit more than me But you say it best Let's hear ya when you say fuck off Chelsea There we go You gotta wait for it but the payoff is good Yes, a yeah. little bit of a wait What do we think Jack? Yeah, sold Sold Right, final one I've been that for weeks <laughs> Final one and This comes from David Manning Who I also think might be in the audience tonight yeah! Get up here! <laughs> he's, he's confident, isn't he? Come on, David. Come on, Dave. Come. come. Come on, Dave. Come on, Davey! Hey, hey! Davey! 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 There's a mic. There's a seat and a microphone yeah. for you there. That's why there's only three of us. We knew this was happening all along. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not I'm not singing it live. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, David. Hello. Good Sorry, I didn't plan on this, but you know, the crowd oh, and all no, of that. No, that's okay. Um, so I was going to read out your email. Oh, yeah. Hi, Fulhamish. Hang on, why can't David read out the email? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you read it. We should fine. get David to read it out for us. Uh, do you want to read your email? I can do. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it. <laughs> He's a natural son. Take <laughs> <laughs> my job. This is brilliant. Hi, Fulhamish. Wrote most of this last year after Panini's arrival, but didn't have the guts to record and send in. Coward. 
But following his contract extension and your call for this look at John's, I thought I'd finish it off and send it. This is the great Shania Twain's Man I Feel Like a Woman. Yes! <laughs> Are we- are we ready? Let's go. Let's go, boys. From Portugal he came, Polina is his name. He's Berlin's new defensive shield. Solid at the back, he'll join in the attack. Dominates in the midfield. Wins his aerial jewels, fights for second balls, leaves opponents on the floor. Relentless yellow cards, goals from 40 yards, he's gonna win the Ballon d'Or. The best thing about Polina Referlum is that the football's gonna be a lot more fun, yeah. Whoa, he's totally crazy, he tackles so bravely. Hits hard, red card, rematch ban. All we can say is up the cottages. Whoa, he fights like a lion. He's wanted by Bayern. Now that he's here, another year. Whoa, all we can say is up the cottages. Man, Polina's a fool. Thank you, thank you very much. That is unbelievable! I wasn't expecting that, thank you. David, this is an amazing way to announce that you are running for Labour for local MP in the next election. Come on, this man can change this town! Come on. Unbelievable. David. What are your thoughts now? It's been premiered to the world. Well, yeah, I wasn't expecting that sort of um, <laughs> of play, I guess. Uh, I'll not to be up here. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I actually sent a more averagely received one in a couple of years ago, which was like a like a Sam Fender uh, on. one. And uh, so Give I didn't think life. I didn't think no. <laughs> Give us I didn't a think dish. This would catch on better, but it's a more iconic song, I think. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can never. <laughs> It's, it's like you're like a seasoned songwriter. Well, of course, this one. Um, As is also in the back catalogue. Yeah, <laughs> that, was two, that was two years ago, you know. Got fed up of playing the indie <laughs> venues and all, so I thought I'd go for a more kind of stadium vibe and seems to be working out for me. Uh, I don't the third think... extension on the house suggests so. Um, I think so everyone we, uh, singing along meant that you couldn't hear how literally we awfully I butchered the high notes, so... Uh, yeah. Well, there was, there was a lot of North American uh, <laughs> ladies in uh, tonight. Um, and even if there's some Mexicans, I think that covers them as well. Um, and so uh, and, that, and so you were certainly playing to the crowd, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well done to you, sir. Well, I think but I thought it was a flop. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's never <laughs> catching on. Never right, catching great, on. Yeah, Steeman, great things are happening for David. Keep an eye on him, everybody. Everyone keep an eye on him. And that, I think, is the most fitting yeah. finale to today's This Will Catch On. I think you will agree. Yeah. Thank you very much to my guests, to Jack Collins, to Marcus Speller, and to David. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Cheers, lads. 
part three of the Fulhamish podcast with Sammy and Jack. We've got a couple of emails to finish off the show. Hope you enjoyed the live rendition of This Will Catch On and um, big up to David, who uh, was definitely the uh, the star of the show in, in This Will Catch On. And uh, no doubt we'll be doing another live show uh, at some point uh, later in the season. So if you weren't able to come on along, but you'd like to come to another one, hopefully... April, May, when we can find a date, we'll do another live show there. They're one of the best things that we do at Fulham Mission. Thank you again to everyone who came uh, on Saturday. It honestly means the world to us uh, to have you there. It's uh, it's definitely one of the best things that we do by far. And, uh, and we love um, speaking in front of a live audience. It's just, it makes doing all of this absolutely worthwhile. Uh, let's just do a, a few emails, Jack, before we finish today. Uh, I like this one from 30F. Hi, in our last two games, Carlos Vinicius has slugged Thiago Silva in the back of the head and then choked Trusty right in front of the referee. Neither one of these actions drew a card, but if he keeps this up, it's only a matter of time before he sees red and we are playing down a man for no real reason. These actions felt strange and disconnected from the game. The conversation of Muniz or Rao is a better striker than Vinny seems immaterial compared to the likelihood the next game has us playing with 10 men due to a karate chop that Vinny thinks is oh so sneaky but the ref and the cameras see plain as day um does peter know if refs watch clips from previous games for teams they're refereeing the trusty incident was reviewed by var so it seems possible that unless Vinny cuts this out completely each successive week makes it more and more likely that he's going to get caught out doing this is this a reason to not choose him um it was a bit weird i mean the tiago silva one jack i kind of was like right whatever heat at the moment but to do it twice was just a little bit odd and it was I, I, I don't know it wasn't it wasn't like he'd like just received a bad challenge or something he just kind of seemed like kicking out for no apparent reason yeah i think he's just a bit frustrated and a bit aggy at the moment to be honest um yeah it is a weird one i can understand as you say that the Thiago is one it was he couldn't get anywhere near the ball <laughs> and I, 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 again, I, I've defended that before. I, I, I don't, I, th- I think he's running and I think whilst it's stupid, it's not malicious. This one was really weird because I like it, it didn't seem to have any basis in, in the game itself. And, you know, which is, which is obviously made the point in this email. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I am concerned that he might just be like losing the plot a bit. It, it's, it's, it's a bit strange. And, you know, there, there's obviously this element of, of hot headedness about, about him and I don't know, maybe he's trying to channel his inner Mitrovic. Um, but it, it does it does feel like there's something going on there where he's trying to throw his weight around a little bit more maybe show I don't know maybe show that he's the the man who cares I, I it doesn't really add up but I can understand you know maybe he's just getting himself into that game mode and not being able to get out of it but yeah it does worry me because there is an element of kind of randomness to it which I don't think is ever that good a thing when when you're talking about you know someone potentially getting sent off on a football pitch. I mean, I do wonder if it hadn't been trust Austin trusty, it was his Premier League full debut, I think, and maybe not as a uh, experienced or wily as some other Premier League defenders. If he'd have done that, I don't know, Christian Romero, he'd have made an absolute meal of that trying to get him sent to off. To be fair, Christian Romero might have hit him, so it might have been 10 men <laughs> each, but it, you know, there, there is an element of that. But yeah, I, I just think it might be a bit of a weird one. I'm sure as much as, yeah, referees can review footage, I'm sure Louis Bowe has put an arm around him and gone, Carlos, what's what's going on? Can you stop doing that, please? I, I mean, as much yeah, as referees... That's, can, that's quite enough, so thank you. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and look, and there are obviously different referee teams on each game. So it's not necessarily something that obviously they'll be aware of, but it's not something they're kind of tracking game by game, I would I would expect. Um but look, it's all just a little bit all over the place at the moment. And um, I'm a bit as about as confused as you are, I think. Yeah. Uh, this one from Mark Ventum says, Hi, Fulhamish. Love the pod. Quick question for the next episode. What's the rationale behind the club's Forever Fulham Award? I, like many other supporters around me in the Hammersmith end, was very surprised to see that Clive Walker was the recipient of the latest <laughs> award at the Sheffield United match. I appreciate that he made over 120 appearances for the Whites between 1987 and 1990. However, he made 224 appearances for Chelsea between 77 and 84. He is and was, in reality, a Chelsea legend why are we then celebrating his much briefer fulham connection surely there are many more fulham legends who should be honored before clive walker would love to hear your thoughts on this all the best mark just before i get your thoughts on this jack um so drew from fulhamish did actually um get an answer on this a few years ago because i think a similar question was raised the threshold for receiving a forever fulham award as confirmed by director david daly is playing a hundred or more games to be eligible to receive the award i mean well that's that's the rule so that's kind of the answer so he he ticks that box i get it my thing on the forever fulham jack and look i i don't really it it really doesn't keep me up at night before anyone kind of goes like, oh my god you guys are so sad but also like could we not like do we have to have on every game could we not just like use it sparingly and like save it for the ones like when when dennis adoy got his forever fulham award I, um you know when kevin mcdonald comes on the pitch all of those entire you know and, and you know and i'm not saying they have to be recent players either but i feel like there's just got to be a bit of a we don't have to do it if we can't find someone if someone's not around i'd just rather like i don't know watch someone try like a fan hit the ball against a crossbar or something like it's great but like if we kind of really have to scrape the barrel for this and i just think like just don't bother lads no one's going to be there going like god it was a great game today 3-1 but they didn't know they didn't bring out anyone for forever fulham <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Mickey Adams' one was lovely, wasn't it? You know, they, they, they have to be... Yes. They, they, there's an element of them being very special that you, you really like. Um, obviously, Roy Hodgson got one at the start of 2023, and, and there's some really nice moments in the Forever Fulham Award. Uh, I was talking to Mark about this at the Bricklayer's Arms on Saturday evening, and we were both in pretty incredulous as to what on earth they've decided that there was going on here and, and who thought this would be a good idea. Like, this is it. You know, he played, he played for Chelsea for so long, and he was such a cult hero at the bridge that he's on Chelsea TV quite regularly. I'm pretty sure... He works with Jason Cundy on something. Um, it, it, it's all just like, it's all a bit weird. And I don't really like it. You know, he was a hero of a couple of really impressive Chelsea Cup runs in the 80s. You know, it, he is Chelsea through and through. And to see him getting a forever villain ward was, was pretty weird. I mean, I, I missed it, obviously, on the pitch. So I, I can't speak to how people in the stands must have felt at the time. But just watching it, you know, and hearing it being read out whilst I was outside was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. So, and, and yeah, Mark and myself were discussing this and uh, pretty unanimous in the idea that we don't think that Clive Walker should be getting a forever Fulham award. He is very much not forever Fulham. Yeah. Just, I think, I think you dilute what's a really good idea by giving the same award that you give to someone like Roy Hodgson 
to someone like Clive Walker. Like, I think you dilute the specialness of it. Like, just do it as and when. And, I mean, they've kind of gone down the road now. I feel like it has been diluted. But, yeah, as I say, I'm not saying this keeps us up at night. And, like, I know that people think I love to attack the club for anything. So I, I really, really, like don't care to that much of an extent, but it is just a bit weird. Just, this is just no need. Um, thank you for your email, Mark. Uh, final one here. I love this so much. And, and this is a nice bit of positivity from Wakas Ahmed. He said, hello guys, always look forward to your podcast. My seven-year-old son Idris says that we need to cheer Raul on every game. Currently people shout Vinicius when they want him to come on. You often say Raul is good, but he just needs a goal to start him up. My uh, son and I, therefore, have started a campaign today by Idris making a banner for Raul in the Sheffield United game, but sadly he was not playing. However, see photos attached of how kind Raul was to my son. A, a day that Idris will not forget. His first season ticket will continue for many years, I think. Please encourage everyone to help us with our campaign, please. Um, Wolves had great chance for him. See, Senor, I think. Come on, you whites. And that's from Wakas Dad and Idris Ahmed. And I've seen these photos, Jack, and they are adorable. It's like about six or seven photos. It starts off with, with little Idris um, getting the paints and pens out with a big piece of cardboard um and then the ultimate and then he's you know he's there at the cottage and he's got his Raul shirt on and uh this little this little cardboard sign just says Raul goal he's not asking for his shirt by the way before anyone pipes up um and then uh, he's even got Raul written on his on his face and then he has the photo with Raul Jimenez um, who gives him a shirt as well, actually. I didn't realise that. Raul actually gave little uh, Idris his shirt. And it's just beautiful to see. And a seven-year-old's day, absolutely made. And yeah, if he says, let's support Raul, then I think we should all support Raul. I'm in. I'm with Idris. I stand with Idris. I'm going to su support Raul. Look, it's one of those. Where, like, Obviously, when you're a crisis of confidence, it's probably not helping. And there are elements of this that we talk about, you know, with, with other fan bases, etc., that whilst people can be frustrated, you know, there there are people and I was chatting to some friends of the Chelsea game who were, you know, standing at the Putney end and they were saying, there's a fellow behind me who just, the moment we kicked off was like, get Raul off. And you're like, we're two minutes in, my guy. We're probably not going to be getting <laughs> Raul off right now. Um, and look, there are, there are obviously going to be frustrations. And the problem with not both of these strikers is they're not Alexander Mitrovic. And therefore the expectation level is so high. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean that either of them are bad players. They might neither be the answer. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that this is Fulham's long-term solution in, in, a, in a nutshell. But I don't think there's any question over the work rate. I don't think there's any question over, you know, players buying in and trying their best. And, and, and for that, I think it's very hard to see when, when people criticise, you know, just from the off without anything having happened. It's, it's frustrating. So... Yeah, I mean, I really hope that Raul's goal comes soon. And I really hope that it kickstarts a period for him where he, he can be amongst the goals because, you know, whilst I'm not 100% sure that he is the solution, I, I definitely do think that there is a player in there. And, and, and right now, you know, especially with what we just talked about with Carlos Vinicius, I think there might be a cooler head on Raul's shoulders than, than anyone else's. Yeah, well, um, Idris, keep bringing your uh, uh, <laughs> Raul goal uh, piece of cardboard uh, and the Mexican flag to uh, to every game because it'll just remind him, you know, if he's ever in any doubt what his job is to do, he'll remember, ah, oh, yes, yes, 
goal. That's must, that's what I must do. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, Wakas and Idris. And that'll do for today's podcast. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, we'll be putting up the Jack and Joe show over the weekend. Uh, you can catch it now on YouTube, but we're going to be putting it on the podcast feed uh, on Sunday. Uh, if you want to listen to it, all the latest views from Jack Kelly and Joe Sansom. Uh, and thank you very much to Jack Collins for being here today. No, thank you, Sammy. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and the Thursday Club will return this time next week looking ahead to our game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on the Monday night. But until then, have a great week. Come on, you whites. You whites.